Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi everyone, this is Emma of the Chengyu Yanjiu Zhongxin, here to present a bonus episode of the Chinese Sayings podcast. So I've been working behind the scenes on the CSP for a few seasons now, but I've been listening to Laszlo's various shows since I was 10 years old growing up in Shanghai, China. I majored in English literature in the UK, did my master's in comparative literature, and now I'm based in Zhongguo, Beijing, doing China studies at Peking University. So I have a background in Chinese to English literary translation, which is why I'm so excited to present this coming Chengyu. This Chengyu is sourced from the writings of Tao Yuanming. Tao Yuanming was a poet who lived during the tumultuous times of the Western Jin dynasty. This is around the mid-3rd century AD to the early 4th century AD. Tao Yuanming served as a government official in the failing Jin bureaucracy, and he eventually became so disgusted with the corruption and incompetence he witnessed that he retired early to live in a simple country cottage for the rest of his life. It was there that he produced some of his best-known works, praising the merits of an uncomplicated rural lifestyle. Tao Yuanming would gain some important fans in later dynasties, including the northern Song poet Su Shi or Su Dongpo. Anyone who's tasted the Hangzhou delicacy Dongpo Rou has Su Dongpo and, by extension, Tao Yuanming to thank. All this to say, this week's Cheng Yu has quite a venerable literary lineage. So let's take a closer look at the four characters that make up this saying. Shi Wai Tao Yuan as always, we'll start with a character-by-character breakdown. Shi means world, or the mundane, and Wai means outside of, foreign to, external to. So Shi Wai, outside of the ordinary world, removed from daily life. Tao means peach, and Yuan means source or origin. In this context, Yuan is often translated as spring. So altogether we get Shi Wai Tao Yuan, peach spring far removed from the world. Like many other Cheng Yu, this doesn't make much sense on its own, but it has a backstory definitely worth the time. This Cheng Yu takes us back to the late 3rd century AD, the dying days of the Western Jin dynasty the time during which Tao Yuanming himself lived. As we've already briefly mentioned, the Western Jin was by no means a golden age like China saw under the Tang and Han dynasties. And it's mostly remembered today for being plagued with internal and external troubles. During these troubled times, there lived a fisherman in Wuling Prefecture, modern-day Hunan, even today, this is an area filled with streams, rivers, and mountains. Once, in search of the day's catch, the fisherman rowed his boat further upstream than he had ever ventured before. Suddenly, he came upon a forest of peach blossoms in full bloom. 
For hundreds of paces on either side of the stream went the peach trees unmixed with any other type of vegetation. The ground was completely carpeted with fallen petals. Amazed, the fisherman rode onwards, thinking maybe he could find out where the forest ended. Finally, when he had reached the stream's head, the forest thinned abruptly and a mountain came into view. The fisherman took a closer look at the mountain and saw a tiny cave from which there came a faint glow. So he left his boat at the entrance and walked into the cave. At first it was so narrow that he could barely squeeze through, but once he managed to move forward a few dozen paces, he found himself blinking in the sunlight. The cave had opened into a lush valley, ploughed fields, and rows of houses stretched as far as he could see, and dotted among the houses were bamboo groves, rock pools, and mulberry trees. Whoever had done the urban planning had clearly done a good job. There were neat paths crisscrossing the farms, and along those paths wandered well-kept farm animals, like chickens and dogs. Villagers also came and went, people of all ages, Men, women, elders, children, all working busily and happily on the farmland. But on second glance, the fishermen observed that they were all dressed strangely, as if they were foreigners. When the villagers noticed the fisherman, he caused quite a stir. They asked him how he had found them, and he told them the story of how he had wandered upstream into the peach blossom forest. Although they were surprised to find the stranger in their midst, the villagers insisted on inviting him into their homes to eat and drink. The fishermen, of course, found the villagers just as strange as they found him. He couldn't resist asking a few questions of his own, and soon discovered that these villagers' ancestors had migrated to this hidden valley during the end of the Warring States period, around 220 B.C., when the Qin army was ravaging China. Since those dark days 500 years ago, none of the peach blossom villages had ever left their safe haven. That's like someone from now stumbling on a village that has been closed off since the Elizabethan age. The peach blossom villagers hadn't even heard that the Qin dynasty had fallen to the Han, much less of the existence of the Wei and Jin dynasties. When word spread about the fisherman's arrival, more and more villagers came to question him and hear his news. Over the next few days, the villagers hosted the fisherman lavishly, and in return he filled them in on everything that had happened in the past five centuries. When the fisherman finally had to take leave, the villagers told him there's nothing here worth telling the outside world about. Well, the fisherman evidently begged to differ, because as soon as he exited the cave and found his boat again, he carefully made markers all the way downstream so that he'd know how to find his way back. And when he got home, his first action was to drop everything and run to the prefect of Uling, and out came the whole story about the hidden peach blossom village. Of course the prefect wasn't about to let this go unconfirmed, so he sent a whole team of men to investigate. With the fishermen at their head, the group carefully followed the markers he had made as he came back. But nevertheless, the further upstream they got, 
they found themselves hopelessly lost. The peach blossom forest was nowhere to be seen. This was not the last attempt to find the village of the peach blossom spring. During the western Jin, there also lived a famous hermit, Liu Ziji, who was delighted to hear of the existence of such a place. As soon as the news reached him of the hidden village, he packed all his bags and made ready to go. But before he could begin his journey, he died of a mysterious illness. And since then, Tao Yuanming tells us, no one has ever attempted to retrace the fisherman's steps. For all he or anyone else knows, the village of the Peach Blossom Spring still exists in perfect harmony, unaware of anything that has gone on since the days of the Western Jin. This story is interesting to me on so many levels, and not least because there are so many close equivalents in other cultures. You think of the story of Shangri-La, or of Rip Van Winkle, or even of Narnia or Harry Potter. And it seems like every culture has this obsession with an idea of a secluded utopia, where mundane events just no longer matter. And you remember the author of the story, the poet Tao Yuanming, who served as a civil servant in the weakening Western Jin dynasty. How appealing he must have found this idea of a hidden haven, surrounded by nature and unaffected by political intrigue. And how attractive this idea still is in our current times. For all these reasons, the story of the Peach Blossom Spring has persisted for almost two millennia, and it's given rise to this popular four-letter saying, Shi Wai Tao Yuan, Peach Blossom Spring far removed from the world to describe the idea of a little-known place that has retained its beauty despite the best efforts of the outside. The closest English equivalent is probably the phrase hidden paradise. Like this English phrase, Taoyuan can be used to describe holiday locations or any idyllic spot that makes you forget the troubles of ordinary life. But unlike the phrase hidden paradise, when you use Taoyuan. Like most other Chinese Chengyu, you're making a literary and historical reference all the way back to the 3rd century AD, when the poet Tao Yuanming wrote of an escape from the turbulence of his time. 